0: <laughs> hello and welcome back to the logan and jake take podcast Hello, hello. where we would do anything for love except watch moonfall again uh, Never,
1: never. <laughs> although i guess at some point in this episode i should give my thoughts on moonfall yeah. um but we'll save that for later the
0: moon fell as did your expectations for future roland emirate films
1: no because i would never had any expectations <laughs> for roland emirate films i stopped having expectations like I'm pretty sure the last Roland the, Emmerich movie I enjoyed was the first Independence Day.
0: As did the hopes for there being a sequel to Moonfall.
1: If they if Moonfall gets a sequel. If I live <laughs> if I live in the world where Moonfall gets a sequel, but John Carter of Mars didn't get a sequel, I'm fighting everybody. That is ridiculous. The movie was terrible.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, so um welcome back friends um it's been a week um welcome back enemies
1: if we have any out there hello <laughs> uh
0: logan uh how was your week how was your time away uh, uh. <laughs> tell us about last weekend um we we already know what savannah and i were doing it was uh watching enemy mine which nev- yeah, I, never yeah. ever again
1: Yeah, you told me about that, and I listened to some of it on the last episode. Sounds like a horrible movie. It sounds terrible.
0: It was worse than you could possibly imagine. Uh,
1: And I will never watch it.
0: I'm sure we're offending one person somewhere who's a huge Enemy Mind fan.
1: I don't think the director of that movie (laughs) listens to this, whoever directed it.
0: (laughs) It was uh, Wolfgang Peterson of Air Force One fame. Get off my airplane!
1: What is with these, like, directors who can make really good movies and just giving us hot BS? I'm still talking about Roland (laughs) (laughs) Emmerich. No, okay, so last week, I think I said it on the last episode I was on, uh, for those who know me, uh, and I guess for those who don't, I do a lot of community theater. I'm on the board of directors for Camelot Theater Company, and we were putting on the production of Frozen Jr., uh, it, I was there t- Friday and Saturday for the evening show times. Uh, it went great. They, all of the kids involved with it should be very proud of themselves. Uh, it was a wonderful show. If anybody that listens to this got a chance to go see it, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but we're on a, we're on a brief hiatus at the moment. We've got some time off before we jump into the next show, which will be the adult version of Shrek.
0: Very excited! Yeah, I used I don't to know, be. The, uh,
1: I, let me let me rephrase that because the way I sounded, it made it seem like it was going to be like a, a, um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like the after dark version, <laughs> variation of Shrek. <laughs> oh, Shrink! Um, <laughs>
1: we're we're doing we're just doing the regular version of Shrek. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and adults can also audition
1: <laughs> uh yes uh, I think I know you've mentioned that you plan on auditioning oh, for yeah. the title we, role of Shrek I'm,
0: I'm glad you were able to Shrek yourself before oh, we, yeah, you wrecked yourself there. <laughs> um no uh yeah so I uh I saw Frozen uh because I always go support Camelot because I was on the board there for about eight years as well um great show uh it was all uh you know, it made a lot of money, I think. It uh had a lot of people there. The kids were excited, so
1: Oh yeah, there were uh the school showings all sold out. I want to say the Saturday matinee showing had about four hundred and twenty something people.
0: That is a so hey, that that's look, we're talking community theater, pandemic still going on, theater's back. So. Awesome. It, I, um, I
1: I've got conflicting feelings as a as a board member and someone who has done stuff with Camelot for for years now. I'm very happy and proud that it did such great numbers, huge, huge numbers, huge, huge numbers. It made seven billion seven kajillion dollars, seven dollars. <laughs> um, but <laughs> as someone who dedicated 14 months of his life to doing Beauty and the Beast, which we did last February, a part of me is a little, like, miffed that Beauty and the Beast didn't do that. Like, like Beauty and the Beast did great. We did not do Frozen Jr. numbers.
0: Well, But it's
1: not... It was not our fault. It was the first show literally like right out of the pandemic it was 20 what we did it 2021 uh everything it was supposed to be in 2020 everything got shut down we had to keep moving it back and we finally settled on february i forget the date 2021 uh but we were still subject to social distancing mask mandates and all of that and it just there wasn't a way for us to do those kind
0: of numbers at the time. And it was a shame. I mean, it was, it was something that we all, those of us who were like in it for the long haul and had spent 14 months working on beauty and the beast, which, uh, Logan was Cogsworth and I, I and uh, I, I had the privilege of playing the beast, which was my dream role. Um, we had stuck it out for 14 months, lots of setbacks, venue changes, losing, uh, cast members uh, I'd say we lost a good we lost a
1: good like what third two-thirds of the original cast at one point uh
0: just just from life you know a 14-month commitment is a long time to stay committed to a theatrical project
1: and a bunch of the people in it had like they graduated
0: yeah we had seniors graduate high high school and they had to go off to college and they couldn't wait so we you know it was a very difficult experience for all of us so much so that it's been a year it's a year on from when we did it and we don't i mean this is one of the only conversations we've had about it i mean we don't talk about it that much because it was not a pleasant experience but i i I do think that the show was great and i think that it is a shame as logan intimated that we did not have the ability to pre- present it to more people because mm-hmm. it deserved that.
1: Now, there are people who, like, saw the show and will come up and be like, oh, my God, I saw you on Beauty and the Beast. Like, mm-hmm. you guys did a really great job. And, you know, just toot our own horn, I think the horn. I think there are people who are still like, it's the best show that y'all have ever done.
0: I think it probably was just the level of talent and the level of preparation. Yeah. I mean, if, let's face it, if we had taken that cast even with the different iterations of it mm-hmm. and and all the time we had to prepare if that show didn't look and sound fantastic and probably better than anything else Camelot's ever done, then we would have deserved to get our butts kicked for that one. Yeah. Honestly, uh-huh. if,
1: it, if it wasn't as great as it was, I probably would have been like, I don't have any business doing this.
0: If if people had not been all in on it that last time that we had to, yeah. to shut it down and move it like, another three months out or whatever, I would have walked away. I considered it. Well,
1: there were multiple moments throughout, like, when it initially got, when it got uh, postponed, I was like, do I really want to keep doing this? There were multiple times where I was just like, I'm just going to quit. I just want (laughs) to quit. Like, because it got to a point where it just wasn't fun anymore. Right. And I was like, I've got a full-time job. I've got other responsibilities. I just don't want to do this anymore. And it it was a little bit more difficult for me because it was the first time that i had been on stage since like we did the outsiders in 2016 so i was already in my head like i don't know if like it's been a while since i've been on stage doing anything let alone a musical anybody that knows me knows i'm not the most confident singer in the world i think i can carry a nice tune but i prefer i much more prefer straight plays I'm not a big fan of the singing and dancing. Uh, and I was just like, I don't know. To go back to, uh, to to Rocky, I was like, I don't know if I've still got anything left in the tank. Like, I don't know if if this is what I'm supposed to be doing anymore. And honestly, up until, God, maybe January before but Bef- the the january before the show I was like I don't th- like I knew that I was going to do it but I was like I don't I'm not feeling it and then the closer we got I was just like no this is this is what I do this is who I am I love doing this I if for no other reason I love being on the stage because it's fun and I'm surrounded by a bunch of the people that I consider to be some of my like best friends in the world so, yeah. it yeah. I, I don't, I'm I'm glad it happened. Uh, there are moments where I think to myself like, we should do it again, uh, but that'll never happen. And I'm never doing Beauty and the Beast ever again. Although true story, and I was talking about it with some people uh, last week. I'm pretty sure if you gave all of us like a couple of weeks, we'd be stage ready again. Because yeah. I still remember all of my lines.
0: Um, yet the the lines are burned into my consciousness at this point, but no, I mean, I, I definitely, it was my dream role. It was something I'd wanted for a long time. We spent four months working on it. Uh, and it, it was going great. And then the pandemic hit and, um, Setbacks and setbacks and setbacks and and rehearsing wherever we could find a place to rehearse, trying to follow guidelines, protocols, all that sort of stuff. And That's honestly, so
1: we were rehearsing in the director's backyard. Yeah, we we did, which was we did. brutal because it was the middle of like summer. Yeah,
0: dead dead summer. We were. It's like very very hot. We're outside performing Beauty and the Beast uh, in the backyard and what was essentially like a golf course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean. I will say I did all of us there were internal conversations that the director didn't know about um, and I guess if, if he happens to listen to this at some point he might. this might be the first time he's ever heard it but there were internal discussions um, myself, you, a few other people uh, who were integral to that show about walking away and I know that Camelot, the the board, I, of course I was still on the board at the time, but I know that the other board members uh, did a tremendous amount of work to keep that show going mm-hmm. because they knew how much it, meant, it had always meant to me to do that show. So I'm appreciative of all of the work that everyone put into it. It did turn out to be a slightly traumatic experience, though, and that's no one's fault. When it was over, I felt very... I felt instead of, instead of, a, it's kind of difficult to talk about because instead of the accomplishment I always thought I would feel, mm-hmm. I felt uh, a little bit empty. Yeah. I felt a little bit, it, something, something felt off. So like I, I was gonna, I was very seriously considering retiring from acting because i've been doing this for a long time and and i mean obviously those who know us you don't need this disclaimer if you're if you're one of our listeners and you don't know us personally we're not we're not like famous actors or anything but like we have been working actors at like the level we do it at for a long time and i very much was about ready to retire after playing my dream role. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to do theater, it was going to be directing right. or maybe backstage, maybe writing, which is something I want to transition more into. Mm-hmm. And then because beauty and the beast just didn't sit right the way it ended. um, I made the terrible mistake. You, I talked you into making the terrible mistake with me. Yeah, you did um of joining of jumping <laughs> right back into another play
1: literally not even a month after Beauty and the Beast was over and cuz we had we had auditions for Clue before tech rehearsal for Beauty and the Beast
0: the burnout was so immense yeah and i i know that i did not give everything I had to clue. Mm-hmm. The way that I had poured myself out over Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I, and, and the way that I like to to really go all in, I did not do that. Same. And I didn't have much left in the tank at the time, to be honest. And my performance suffered. Um, I I would...
1: I don't think any of us were... I think the show was a good show. I know for a fact people enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I think the audience. But for, for those of us who it.
1: went straight from Beauty and the Beast into Clue, it was, it was you, me, Hunter, Keeley, um, Ryan, who was the music director for Beauty and the Beast, but he was in Clue. Uh, the director Brad, who he directed Beauty and the Beast, and he also directed Clue. We were all super burnt out. Long before it even got to the I think, actual show,
0: I, I think Lindsay also. Yeah, Lindsay yeah. also.
1: Yeah, we it had. Just, yeah,
0: it was like man. we had. So like we had gone, um, for so long that it had been a couple of years without a break. Really, at that point, and mm-hmm. so I don't know. It was. It was. That was a difficult time, and and being Clue did not e- uh, ease the.
1: I I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? Well, I... So, after Beauty and the Beast, well, during Beauty and the Beast, the final run-through, like, the final run of leading up to doing the show, I was like, I know that (laughs) I've been... I haven't done this in, like, three to four years at this point. But, because we were doing it so long, we, we we were running Beauty and the Beast, basically like we were professional actors doing this show full-time with how much right. we were running it i was like i know that i don't want to stop acting but i am going to take a break after this like i need another break which is which is funny because i was like I, I took three to four years off i did the show for 14 months and i was like i need a break i can't but but when you when you factor in the fact that we once again have full-time jobs have other commitments and everything doing a show for 14 months takes a lot out of you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, I just need a break. And then you talked me into doing clue, which I had a slightly more fun time than uh, some of the other people did with the simple fact that I was playing Mr. Body. So I didn't, I didn't come onto the stage until I got 20 minutes into the show and i maybe had 5 pages worth of dialogue and then i got to die and i got to be dead for the rest of it and like even when i was on stage it was just my dead body so i had that but after clue i was like okay i'm definitely taking a break now <laughs> and i'll never forget i was in one of the i was in one of the board meetings and we were getting ready to do the um the fundraiser all together now and our good friend Lori, uh, Lori Bush looked at me and she was like do you want to help me direct this and in my mind I was screaming no you fool calling myself the fool I was like no you fool don't do this you need a break but I've always wanted to direct something so I was like yes yes I will do this and it's kind of what I it, it's exactly what I needed in that moment because I was so burnt out on the acting aspect of it, I got to, even though I was, once again, fully involved with a show, I got to stretch some different muscles and do some different stuff. And now, like, I I really wanted to, 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 to direct again. Um, if we ever find a location, I'll, I'll be directing Tombstone, and I'm going to need you to come back for Tombstone, because I'm not directing Tombstone by myself.
0: No, I mean, no, If we, if we ever get the location... Logan and I are directing Tombstone. Oh, it's, that, it's going that, to be. My, it, I've I've I have dreams about Tombstone. it's going to be magnificent. If if and now I will say this, I I have not auditioned. I, I did participate in all together now, but it was a very minimal yeah requirement for me. I showed up to two or three rehearsals and it was I I got to sing on stage in a couple of songs and it was very light. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not auditioned for a show now in um. Over a year, uh, going on a year, yeah. and when Shrek auditions roll around in May, it will be over a year since I've auditioned for anything. I am auditioning for Shrek if for no other reason than as a teacher, most of the rehearsals about 70% of the rehearsal commitment will be 75 80% will be when I'm not working, yeah. So, um, this summer. I'm going to try to dive back into that. Uh so I am I am I am auditioning for Shrek and I'm auditioning for Shrek.
1: I still have not decided if I'm going to audition for Shrek or not. I will definitely help out no matter what. But you you've known me for years and the people who don't, I've never been a huge Shrek fan in general. I think that Shrek is probably the most overrated DreamWorks movie of all time. And I get annoyed, like physically annoyed, when people are like, Shrek is the greatest DreamWorks movie ever. And I'm like, you're wrong. Because you live in a world where the Prince of Egypt exists.
0: Deliver us.
1: Prince of Egypt. Now, if we ever do the Prince of Egypt, Sir, I'm auditioning for that. Sir, I'm auditioning for that. Sir, because I'm, I'm coming for Ramesses. I am the Great,
0: so. ready, willing, and able to look at my life through heaven's eyes. <laughs> no I will. Now I will. I'll say like, no. I mean, I, I. How do
1: you judge the worth of a man by wealth or strength or size? <laughs> how much he gave or how much he
0: did? Oh, I love um, that movie so much. No, I. I share your sentiments shrek was never like my favorite thing either mm-hmm. like i would say like on on the whole i probably like those movies more than you do but that I like, i'm not boots. piss y- yes. <laughs> 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 yes yes piss in boots <laughs> 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 oh we do, going, here, we do it live here people we do it live um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I love this. Po- 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 <laughs> oh god. <laughs> this is why we can't quit our day jobs <laughs> <laughs> it's not- that's
1: funny, God! <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh God! It's like, I needed that.
0: Oh, <coughs> oh! What's oh, really God. funny is I know Hunter's gonna be listening to this. We probably just got him fired because he just he probably just rolled out on the floor laughing. Oh, oh you're no, welcome. He'll be fine. You're he'll welcome, be fine. buddy. He's uh, he's still stuck at home with COVID.
1: Oh, get re- get better soon, Hunter. We love you, buddy.
0: Oh, yeah. So, oh, um. <laughs> So no, I mean the Shrek the Shrek franchise is not something <laughs> something that I care that much about. But I will say, right. I will say, oh god, I actually am a big fan of the musical because mm-hmm. there's some really wonderful music in it. Yeah. Um. So that's the draw for me on it. Um. If I think if if that wasn't the case, I think if it was like a straight up adaptation of Shrek and it mm-hmm. wasn't a musical, I would not go anywhere near it. No. Um I I what we're both the most excited about though is I was just about to get into In that. 2023 uh uh we're we're going to have the opportunity to audition for Sweeney Todd and yes. let me just say that's one of the that's that's another one of those dream roles. So I feel like having some the long-winded way of wrapping up this segment about Camelot is that having some time away. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I also resigned from the board about six months ago to focus on my wedding and other things coming up. Having time away, not auditioning for over, for, for a year, <coughs> resigning from the board for six months. These sorts of things have given me the clarity I needed to start missing it again mm-hmm. and get that fire back. Yeah, in my plums. <laughs>
1: oh my God! Yes, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm. Um... This
0: episode is going to be titled. pissing boots on the Nile
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh no but uh yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to Sweeney Todd especially if I get the role that I want because I feel like same I feel like that is going to allow because I plan on auditioning for the role of Judge Turpin um, and I feel like the, if I get it, that's going to allow me to stretch, 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 stretch. It's going to allow you to
0: Shrek your. Uh, it's going to allow me to Shrek my <laughs> acting.
1: Ability. It's going to allow me to stretch my acting abilities in another direction. Because I've always wanted to play a bad guy. Same. And I feel like well, one, I've always wanted to play a bad guy, and two, I've always. I feel, and I feel like most people who act have felt this way at one point. I want my name as close to the top billing as possible. Right. Like I want, I want my own show one day to where like I can be the lead of right. that show. And I feel like if I can, if I can prove myself as Judge Turpin, that gives me more credibility to be able to carry a show one
0: day. Yeah.
1: Because um, I, and I love all of the roles that I've ever. Earned, but I feel like a lot of them are very similar to who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, Cogsworth is just me, but like a, f- a French version of me who works for a prince. Um, I feel like the ca- the character that I was the most like in all of the shows I've ever done is two bit from the outsiders. Cause I mean, in, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I rehearsed, I learned my lines and everything, but it didn't require me to to dig down deep to find that because it it's just me um so i would love to be judge turpin and i feel like everything i'm doing is is progressing me to one day do the role that i want to do the most which is macbeth and macbeth or or julius caesar and caesar like if i can do either one of those I feel like I will have accomplished my goals. So kind of like you with Beauty and the Beast. Like, and I know another one of your dream roles is Phantom from Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Like, if if I can if I can do Judge Turpin, then I feel like that's that's a step in the right direction of the type of actor I want to be. Because I can be me, but me is kind of just it's Chandler Bing from from Friends. Like I can do that all day because it—it's it, just my personality already. I want to be—I want to prove that I can do more than just you know, the stuff that people expect me to do. Which I think I—I I think I proved that kind of sort of when I was Mr. Body and Clue, even though I wasn't around for that long in the show before. Uh, I got bludgeoned to death in the head with a lead pipe that you dropped. Appreciate that.
0: I didn't know it was a murder weapon when I dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I understand what you mean. I mean, I I'm auditioning for Sweeney Todd, and mm-hmm. and so um, this is actually one of those things where I I have seen some raised eyebrows at that when I tell people mm-hmm. that I'm auditioning for Sweeney Todd um, because it is so polar opposite of what i've done before Mm -hmm. as an actor but i think so you have like dream roles and you kind of have like the darker dream roles yeah and it's like some of the good like you know beast jean valjean like there's there's some of those out Mm -hmm. there that are really deeply at heart deeply good characters yeah um capable of great empathy and compassion and ultimately love
1: I would love to do the crucible um, again, so I can be Reverend Hale.
0: I'd like. To, I'd, I've always wanted to be John Proctor. Um, we should definitely we should do that. We should try to work that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I also um, want
1: to be Doc Holliday in Tombstone,
0: and I want to be Wyatt Earp as a
1: proud son of Griffin.
0: Yeah, I, I think we. Proud. I think that'd be an, an interesting, an interesting pairing there. Mm-hmm. Uh I want to be Sweeney Todd because I I have these dark dream roles as well There's mm-hmm. Sweeney Phantom um and the reason for that is I was raised by two um very loving committed parents who taught me uh right from wrong and impulse control at mm-hmm. an early age I have always been uh a good natured person and tried to be stroke have stroke strove in my life to be a good person. Yeah. To be a good friend, good relative, good neighbor, all those sorts of things. And uh there's a line in a meatloaf song where he says, you've been nothing but an angel every day of your life, and now you wonder what it's like to be damned. hmm And... When I heard that line when I was like 16, 17 years old, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, that I was already acting. I was already an actor at that point. I was like, that right there, that is the best way I could sum it up. I spend my entire reality putting in effort to be a good person, to control my impulses, to tamp down my worst impulses, it would just be a lot of. And fun. I think everybody
1: would agree that, like, being, <laughs> oh god, I'm going to get to quote Harvey Dent on this episode. Yeah, it it takes a lot of work to be a decent, decent man, human being,
0: especially in an indecent times.
1: Yes, and like I'm, we're not saying that because like we regret being good people. Like I not think at we all. like I actively try to be a good person, not because I expect some reward or something, but because. I want to be a good person for the sake of being a good person it's It's why Superman is my favorite superhero. He does good just because he wants to do good and i i I try to live my life like that I'm human I make mistakes, but I genuinely like being a good person and there but because of that, there are moments to where like and specifically, like, acting, where I want to see how the other side lives. Right. I, and because, I mean, like, everybody loves heroes. The heroes are great. But Luke Skywalker is only good. Like, he's only a great character because he's got Darth Vader on the other side. He's got the Emperor. Superman is great because he's got Lex Luthor. Batman, wonderful but batman's not as awesome as he is without the joker.
0: Right. And I think that um also
1: bad guys have better costumes. <clears throat> True. And I'm a I'm a fan of a sweet sweet costume.
0: I, yeah, I, I mean ultimately it comes down to I have every everything that is good about my life comes from Surrounding myself with good people mm-hmm. and trying to live a life of good intentions. Yes. As also, actor, I think neither
1: neither of us like we wouldn't want to be like these characters on a daily basis. No, of course because not. All of these characters that I've named that I want to be, I hate these people.
0: Yeah, like
1: I hate Judge Turpin. I hate. Uh, I don't. I don't hate Macbeth, but I see that he's a very problematic individual. Um, I love Sweeney Todd, but. Sweeney Todd is not a good person.
0: So specifically, with Sweeney Todd, I, I certainly cannot empathize. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Right.
1: I would leave if you could,
0: but I sympathize with what it feels like to feel that to feel like there are wrongs have been done to you Mm -hmm. that fester inside and you can't you do not have the ability or the power or the station to do anything about it Mm -hmm. and when somebody puts an opportunity in front of you to maybe correct some wrongs or what you think is correcting wrongs Mm -hmm. you would do that even if it meant you know going to some really dark places. Yeah. I understand that impulse, which is something I think a lot of people understand. Mm-hmm. And so I it it's one of those things where I do have those impulses within myself, mm-hmm. and I think not only would it be fun and challenging, but I also think it would be healthy to yes. sometimes get to uh to quote the purge movies purge of the beast as it were. Right, to sometimes expel some of that a little bit in a healthy productive way. Yes. So, yeah, we're looking forward to that. So if you ever wanted to hear us talk about um our thoughts as actors and things like that, then this was your segment. Right. Uh, which we didn't even plan it. <laughs> we didn't light, intend but, this at all. So, we're 33
1: minutes into something that we didn't intend.
0: So, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about um but
1: wait, wait, before that, I've got a new bit that I think uh, that, that I'm going to try out okay Okay. Uh, first of all I'm calling this segment Logan and Jake's Quick Takes okay alright so <clears throat> maybe not every week but every once in a while I'm going to have a topic uh, and I'm just going to ask your opinion on that and you know sometimes it might it might take five seconds 15, 20 minutes who knows uh, let me pull it back up hold on alright so I'm going to have you choose between three musical artists and whichever artist you choose, the other two in this scenario, you would no longer know anything about them. You would have never heard their music. You don't know how their music makes you feel. None of that. Right? So, uh, example, and it's, it's not going to be these, but like Mozart or Johann Sebastian Bach. If you chose if you chose Mozart for some reason in this situation you're a fan of classical music I don't know why but whatever uh, if you chose Mozart uh, you would then never you would and you never get to listen to it either you will never know any of the song uh, you'll never know any of the compositions that Bach made uh, if you had any emotional attachments to it you would you would forget that for the rest of your life you never get a chance to go back and listen to any of it. Got it? Got it. All right, so in this situation, there are three artists. Choose the one that you want to keep. The other two, they're gone Michael Jackson, Meatloaf,
0: Elvis. The F bomb was Savannah. <clears throat> I'm sorry, it's just that's cruel.
1: And I chose these three specifically because I know you have strong emotions for all of them. Uh, you you love meatloaf. We we've talked about this before. We we talked about meat. You talked about meatloaf last week. Um, I know you're a huge Elvis fan, and I feel like that one's a little bit trickier because there are tied there are connections to your dad with mm-hmm. Elvis. And as far as Michael Jackson goes, you're probably the biggest Michael Jackson fan I know. Mm-hmm. Um. And we've talked about Michael for like hours on end. You love Michael Jackson as much as I love John Bon Jovi. So. Choose. And it's okay for you to think. But while you're thinking. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how difficult is this choice?
0: That is the hardest question anyone's ever asked.
1: I'm out here. Look at me go. Yay. I'm asking the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> Suck it, Geraldo. <laughs> <laughs> I needed this.
0: Oh, uh, um. Walk us through the process. Okay, okay. so let,
1: let's take it. Let's take it artist by artist. If you choose to get rid of Michael Jackson, right? Uh, there's no more Thriller. There's no more Bad. Man in the Mirror. Uh, One of my personal favorites. They don't really care about us. Billy Jean, Smooth Criminal. But with Michael, with, with choosing to forget Michael, you also lose access to all of your memories and feelings about the Jackson Five. So it wipes out all of that. Um, you you didn't you don't you don't go see Michael Jackson's This Is It, directed by Kenny Ortega of High School Musical fame. Um, you you probably still know who Orianthe is because she did that one according to you song that was blowing mm. up the airwaves <laughs> and what was that like 2008? We just knew wait, she was going to be the next. Does
0: this also include ditching the Wiz or can he see the Broadway musical?
1: <laughs> no, he has no access to the Wiz because he has no he what oh, no, no no no. Uh-uh. Wait, did Michael seen... Jackson create The Wiz? No. Then yeah, you can still see The Wiz. I could have seen the but Broadway you, musical. But you would just, yes. You can't see the one with Michael Jackson, but you can see The Wiz. Uh, if you choose to forego Meatloaf. uh I would do anything for Love, but I won't do that.
0: i lose Rocky Horror Picture You'd Show. You'd lose
1: Rocky Horror Picture Show. You would lose that one season of Celebrity Apprentice. Uh you would lose that one movie we watched where he was at a uh, musical theater camp and he was like the the director or something.
0: Worse. I would lose Fight Club. Yeah. Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your better than you. Jesus loves him all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but if you if you choose to forget Elvis, um you lose you lose a lot. You lose I did not intend it to be this difficult, but you lose that one personal connection with your dad. Um, not that that's the only connection y'all had. I mean, you know what I mean. Um, also, even though I don't, the wedding's not going to be there anymore. <laughs> you would have had no reason to want your wedding at Graceland. Yeah, and we lose that sweet, sweet uh bit that I came up with where the wedding party anytime we go anywhere. Plays that a little less conversation, a little more action. That's Which still we're happening. still
0: going to enter. We're still doing that still, We're still, still going to enter. That
1: tonight. is necessary and must be done. I would like to just point out that when I come up with a bit, man, I come up with good bits.
0: Um Okay, so I'll walk you through the process on my end of this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Michael Jackson for me represents... It's hard to put it in words. I'm a little bit removed from it. Um, because after Michael Jackson died, I sort of had to, I kind of had to dissociate a little bit Mm -hmm. from all of that for a little while because Michael Jackson was so influential for me, um, in like middle school and high school and... Michael Jackson was like the soundtrack of my life, like he was for millions of people all over the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And, I I mean, there has never been and will never be another entertainer like Michael Jackson. He just is Michael Jackson. Meatloaf, um, there is a little connection with my dad there, of course, but Meatloaf was the soundtrack to you know, high school. That was... Mm. Meatloaf was the way I felt. We're just talking about those, like, darker impulses and things that I want to explore, like, as an actor. But Meatloaf took what I was feeling and, like... Jim Steinman and Meatloaf put that stuff in... They they took every emotion I ever felt and put put it to lyrics and music. And... In a way that nobody else has ever done before. As much as I loved Michael Jackson, my emotional connection uh, as I got older was to Meatloaf's music mm-hmm. more so than Michael's music, I think. Even though Michael Jackson's music is, if you were to just look at like hours spent listening to something, it would be Michael by a long shot. But Meatloaf was what I was listening to and some of the more darker, angry, emotional, emotionally trying moments of my life. Um, <clears throat> the reason that it's so difficult here is because Elvis, Elvis was the first, My first musical love. When I was a little kid, Elvis was that guy. Mm -hmm. That was, Elvis was it. And, I remember Elvis-themed birthday parties when I was five years old, you know. You know, you had Jesus Christ, Batman, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Elvis Presley. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was my life as a kid, you know? hmm And, a lot of that was tied in with my dad, because my dad was like the biggest Elvis fan I ever met. And, I have so many memories of my dad that are intricately linked to Elvis. And as an adult...
1: I remember one time, because we would go to karaoke a lot back in the day, mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm sure you remember, but there was one time your dad was searching the internet for weeks looking for a, uh, Elvis Presley Vegas jumpsuit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, you know, Elvis's life, um as I got older, I started reading things about Elvis and sort of came back around on Elvis a little bit Mm -hmm. after my dad died and became very, very into Elvis again. Um, and remembering all the reasons why I'd loved Elvis and why my dad had loved Elvis and all those memories and, and wanting originally to have the wedding at Graceland and all those sorts of things. I gotta say that like, And I understand why this is not the case for everyone. I understand why, for some people, it would be other artists, Mm -hmm. like Michael Jackson, um, like the Beatles, like the Rolling Stones, you know, whoever it was, uh, Bowie, Prince, Queen, you know, whoever it was for people, Elton John, Billy Joel. You could name all these different tremendous talents Bob Dylan you know Mm -hmm. but for me Elvis is almost a category unto himself Mm -hmm. like and it's one of those things where you I've talked to other Elvis fans about this I talked to my dad about it a lot um, I'm a part of a couple of Elvis fan pages on Facebook um, shout out to Elvis in the 70s I know no one's listening but but um,
1: <laughs> come to find out that's
0: our Belgium listening it could base. be it's either it's one of those things like you either see it mm-hmm. and really get it about Elvis or you don't and there are lots of people who are like casual Elvis fans that don't get it. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of people who are like, who get it about those other artists I mentioned, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's their guy. And as much as I love Meatloaf, and as much as I mourn his passing, and as much as Michael Jackson was my dude, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Elvis, maybe it's because he was larger than life when I was born, because he was already long dead. Yeah, maybe it's because of the pageantry of the jumpsuits and the Vegas era before the drugs really, you know, mm-hmm. before the tragedy struck. You know, but and, and he went without downhill. Elvis.
1: We don't get that sweet, sweet moment from the first Kickass movie with him in the jetpack,
0: right? John Lennon who could be some... He's not mine, but he could be somebody's musical hero, right? Mm. Uh, Said, before Elvis, there was nothing. And he didn't mean that there weren't great artists before Elvis. He didn't mean that there weren't other artists who certainly artists that influenced Elvis, like, you know, in, in, in the the style of music that Elvis listened to growing up and all those sorts of things who without Elvis, we, without them, we wouldn't have had Elvis. But like what he meant was there was no such thing as a superstar on that level before Elvis Mm -hmm. and everybody that has come since like that standard is always there. It's like, they were the biggest thing since elvis or they were the only thing to ever rival elvis yeah and I for me as a kid I can just remember that image of elvis as this larger than life like almost like godlike iconic figure because like my dad was my hero mm-hmm. and elvis was my dad's hero yeah dad talked about Elvis as much as he talked about Jesus now I'm not saying that my dad worshiped Elvis. He worked, you know, dad was a Christian. He'd be he worshiped Jesus. But like in my household, Elvis Presley growing up was, that was sacred territory. Yeah. So I sort of in a weird way, and I, I don't talk about it much because Elvis has been gone for so long and that's not his style of music, even though I, I think a lot of it is timeless. It's not what we listen to today. It's nothing like Michael Jackson. It's nothing like Meatloaf. All that kind of stuff. I I just, for me, if you got rid of Elvis, mm-hmm. it changes my whole relationship to music. It he's a symbol of the American dream to me mm-hmm. because he came from nothing. But he's also a symbol of what happens when the American dream goes wrong. He's a symbol of what a person can be at their best Mm. and what self-destructive tendencies look like at their worst. He's a symbol of what truly, truly transcendent music sounds like and looks like And he is the if you look up the it factor that celebrities have in the dictionary, I feel like there's a picture of Elvis. Yeah. There may not ever have been anyone who had that combination of looks, charm, charisma. Whatever it whatever it is, Elvis like like sweated that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he oozed it. And I think that for me, as it is genuinely the toughest question anyone's ever asked me, you're welcome. I have got to say that if I can only pick one because of it, his significance for other reasons to me, I've got to pick Elvis. And I've never had to break it down that way before. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some clarity that I was able to achieve by having to think of it that deeply. Um, maybe it's just, uh, you know, in a, in a world without my dad, that was always going to be the answer I give. Maybe I'm just really excited about Baz Luhrmann's upcoming Elvis movie in June, but I think Elvis for me will always be that guy. I mean, that's not to diminish how significant Michael Jackson is to me or Meatloaf, but uh, I think I've I think I've got to I think I've got to pick Elvis. So right. see that. what I mean though. Great These type
1: question. See, they're going to be five seconds, fifteen, twenty minutes.
0: Yeah, Who knows? right. Because if you had been like, if you had well, been like,
1: so there wasn't there was a there was a rough draft original version of this, and it was Michael Jackson or Prince.
0: Oh, and in that case, I would have gone with Michael, even though I love Prince. Right,
1: but, and I feel like that would have been a lot easier of a choice to make and it would have been like there might have been like some slight discussion but I feel like you would have just gone with Michael Jackson whereas that th- this this version like because I know you so well I've known you 13 years at this point?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah. I I was like no, there there are if nothing, there are at least three different musical artists that that you love so much to where I think it would be a difficult choice to make. Yeah. And that's how I came up with Michael Jackson, Meatloaf, and Elvis. Which, there is a connection between Michael and Elvis because Michael married his daughter. Um,
0: and, I mean, you know, I, there's going to be a connection with any... Rock and roll singer in Elvis, yeah, you know what I mean. Like this is, and it, it's interesting.
1: I feel like Elvis kind of, because of his style of music, you you get, maybe kind of sort of like you. you well, you definitely get meatloaf because of Elvis, and then if if because Elvis Elvis is the king of rock and roll. Michael Jackson, the Prince of Pop. You got it's it's music royalty, like just right. All, it's it's all it's, together.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you get like, I think you in the same way that you see Michael's influence all over the place. I think you still see Elvis's influence in vocal technique, vocal yeah. performance. I think you see Elvis's influence in just like. Well, meatloaf, meatloaf used to be called the, um, by some, the godfather of heavy metal, and the reason they called him that was because his album "Bad at Hell" came along sort of at the tail end of like what we think of as traditional rock and roll, because yeah. it was giving way to what would become metal. You know mm. what I mean? And and like there are these little like, it's "Bad at Hell" was kind of a in some ways, it was Steinman paying homage incidentally or otherwise to Bruce Springsteen late 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 70s Springsteen, which was also a a bridge between rock and roll music and that like late 60s 70s radio rock that became that eventually transcended that and became something like metal in the 80s um as a reaction to the other route which was like pop so i think that like from elvis you could actually get meatloaf and you could also get like less less hard um stuff you could get and, and Elvis, as he got older, one of his last albums was like very country oriented. I think mm-hmm. there's a there's a whole lineage there that, like, um, if you, if you look at it, um, I see the. This sounds like overly poetic, but like you'll know what I mean. Like I see sort of the the ghost of Elvis um, all over the place in the music industry, and mm-hmm. I. I'm not someone who's like in the music industry so like I can't articulate it that well but like I have heard musicians talk about this about how Elvis is like this this thing that is very present the way Michael Jackson is the way yeah. the way that like the the Rolling Stones are to a lot of uh, bands the way that the, the the Beatles were to a lot of bands you know um it's not like Elvis was like alone on an island but I just there's a there's this like slightly otherworldly quality about Elvis that doesn't, I've never quite been able to put my finger on that to me is not tainted by some of the things that some of my other favorite artists, Yeah, There like, um, and, and I mean, I won't ramble about this. Like I, I categorically like do not believe that Michael Jackson abused children. I do not believe it. I never believed it. I don't to this day, but his reputation took a serious hit because of the allegations. And we know Michael Jackson did have a very severe arrested development. Mm -hmm. We know that he, um, had a lot of problems. We know that he, he had extensive surgeries, um, on his face. We know that Michael did not handle the pressures of fame. Well, of course, the only person who had ever been that famous was Elvis, and Elvis didn't handle it well either because there's no blueprint for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish that they had been able to talk to each other about it. If Michael, if Elvis had lived another five or six years, Thriller would have come out, and then they might have saved each other. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think about that all the time. And I think in a future
1: episode, we uh, we definitely need to talk about some of our favorite musical artists of all time and more specifically like our top right five favorite albums
0: yes i'd love to do that that'd be fun so um that was a good one so that was a really i
1: i I don't want people to expect every week or every question to be this uh in depth
0: i think you started with the hardest question you could ask me now i know that you've probably got some other ones up your sleeve and i'm scared to know but but uh, one of
1: them is just like which animal would you rather fight
0: God, that's a tough one too. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, I, there, there, there. I, I, there are two options. I'm not going to give it to you now, but maybe next week. Yeah. I know between the two, which one I would choose, but I, I know for a fact I'd probably die either way.
0: <laughs>
1: Although, side note, then I shall die in the quest. Okay, Zod, calm down. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, uh. Uh. No, but uh, randomly if I did have to randomly fight an animal, uh, it would probably kill me, but I'd fight a cheetah.
0: Well, you would have to, like... Because of
1: all the big cats, I feel like the cheetah's got the smallest head.
0: You would would have to, like, stand your ground because there's no way you could run from it. Exactly.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I can't outrun it, so I've got no choice but to stand and fight. Also, if I die... I was killed by a cheetah. But if I win, and this it's all it's 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 all good it's good it's guts or glory. If I win, I am forever known as the dude who fought and beat a cheetah. Nice. Once again, I'm probably gonna die though, because it's a cheetah and it's faster than me. And it would be like fighting Hermes for all my Greek mythology facts.
0: But with that, All right. let's, uh, uh, let's, let's take fr- a quick word from our sponsor. Yeah, quick word sponsors. from our sponsor. Uh, and um,
1: yeah, yeah. When we get back, murder, death, train tracks, rivers. It's going down.
0: Dune. Did you say Dune? dune.
1: Oh. Like the Dune song. Well, that's like Dune was a couple months ago. Dune, dune,
0: dune, 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 dune. All right. We'll be right back. So Logan, um before we start talking too in depth about um the Hercule Poirot films. <laughs> 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 what? I just wanted to see what you would say if I butchered the one, <laughs> if I butchered Poirot's last name. Um
1: Hercule Poirot.
0: Uh uh, before we start getting too, too involved in our, our review of Death on the Nile and our f- sort of flashback to Murder on the Orient Express uh, I have been watching some other things. Last week I briefly mentioned that I've been watching The Righteous Gemstones on mm-hmm. HBO that's like the funniest thing I've ever seen yes. so uh, I know you saw like an episode or two like I you, think I
1: watched the first you three were gonna, episodes yeah.
0: you're gonna really dig that it nice. is hilarious um, John Goodman Danny McBride, um, is his name Adam Devine? Is that Devine? Devine. Um, I don't Walton know. Goggins, Cassidy Freeman. They're all doing. Let me tell you, a little work.
1: something. You excellent. put Walton Goggins in anything, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. That dude has been doing consistently
0: good work since I first saw him in the Shield. They are just they're just doing such tremendous work. It is hilarious. It's it's uh. Ironically, heartfelt at times. Um, uh, there's this hilarious scene in the second season where, um, I um, is Joe Joe Jonas is the one that's married to Sophie Turner, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so.
0: Yeah. So Joe He's Jonas. He's not the
1: Jonas brother I concern myself with.
0: Joe Jonas shows up. Shout out to Nick. He shows up. Um, <laughs> at this place where uh Danny McBride and Cassidy Freeman are at in in Texas and they're doing this big like showcase thing or whatever and he's just playing himself and like he sings a cover of like this famous 90s country song uh, God Bless Texas and Savannah and I were rolling oh like um he actually sounded okay on a concert. Yeah, I mean it did sound good. It was fu- it was very funny. Um so righteous Gemstones HBO Max it it comes on every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one people should be watching, especially if if you're from the South and like you're familiar with kind of like church culture, particularly like the like televangelist like the like, like Southern super rich mega churches. Mega church like yeah, like that culture. Mm-hmm. This is like hysterically funny because it's so spot on. Um, there's also like murder and betrayal, and it's HBO, so it's 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 fun to watch. Um, so definitely. Also,
1: I've been in love with Cassidy Freeman since season eight, of Smallville.
0: Yeah, and she she's yeah she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also like so that's that's been really great. Um, even though you and I have talked about this before, like neither of us were actually like excited about it per se because we both think the character is like overrated Uh, I did oh yeah Booby Fett I did check out Book of Boba Fett kind of I I didn't watch every episode I'll be honest I watched like the first one and then like I saw sort of where it was headed and then I was like okay I'm gonna skip to the last three episodes where like Mando and Grogu and and, you know all the characters that care about spoiler alert there's like some other Characters from Mandalorian that pop back up and stuff.
1: Sure story. Uh, I had no intention of watching it until I saw that Cad Bane showed up. I'm gonna yeah. So so
0: okay. Cad Bane from the Clone Wars cartoon, which like is one of my favorite characters that originated in that cartoon.
1: Also, Cad um, Bane far superior bounty hunter to Boba Fett.
0: I, and he's like really he he's, he's dope. he looks great. He's dope, dude. Oh my god. He's
1: also, uh, it's I, and it's
0: the voice actor who voiced him in the yeah, Clone Wars. So. Yeah.
1: Um, I also watched just a bunch of the clips because I saw all of the cameos that came in like the last couple of episodes. Um, and the clip that I enjoyed the most was actually the brief uh, scene with Luke and Ahsoka.
0: Yeah, that was because,
1: really cool. Because, like, okay, so it's significant for so many reasons. But mainly because Ahsoka Tano is the one and only apprentice of Anakin Skywalker while he was a Jedi. Right. Um, And Ahsoka is like, everything that happens with Ahsoka in the Clone Wars is so pivotal to what causes Anakin to go down the path of the dark side in Episode 3. Like, he becomes disenfranchised and disillusioned with the Jedi Order because of how they treat Ahsoka when they think that she became a terrorist. And she left the Jedi Order and Honestly, it's so emotional in the final season of the Clone Wars where they see each other again briefly, because she shows back up, uh, and they're going to go help the people of Mandalore. I believe I haven't watched the final season since it aired, but then immediately Obi Wan and Anakin have to leave and go back to Coruscant, and the final season of Clone Wars runs concurrent with Revenge of the Three, uh, Revenge of the Episode Three, mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. And there's a moment where Order 66 happens and Ahsoka can feel it just like Yoda and she senses Anakin's fall to the dark side and all of that. So fast forward 20 plus years later where you got Ahsoka who... I don't care. I'm going to call her Luke and Leia's on because she's, she's on Ahsoka to them. Um, it's so great seeing her interact with Luke and then when Luke is like, Talking about Grogu, he's like, I really wonder if his heart's in it. She looks at him and smiles and goes, you have so much of your father in you. And it's just nice to hear people talk about how good of a person Anakin was. Because, yes, Anakin did some vile and terrible things as Darth Vader. And I feel like sometimes people gloss over the good aspects of that character because of all of the evil stuff he did, when in reality I view them as two completely separate separate individuals. So, even though he's full of bullshit, uh, I agree and I understand where Obi-Wan's coming from, where he was like, Darth Vader killed your father. And to, it was just... It's hard to put it into words to how it made me feel. But it just made me feel so happy. And I was like, I want more interactions with Ahsoka and Luke. Like, put CGI Luke Skywalker in everything. We know we're getting the Ahsoka series. Have them team up looking for Ezra Bridger. Because I mean, Ezra's, Ezra's, be Ezra's still out there from the yeah, end from of uh, the Rebels. Rebels. Yeah. And honestly, I think what's coming down the line... And I heard this in another podcast I listened to. Shout out to the Weekly Planet um but i agree with them i think they're slowly perfecting this deep fake technology stuff for mm-hmm. the older care for the for mm-hmm. the for the legacy characters like luke leia han so that they can bring in grand admiral thrawn back from the events of rebels and basically have that be the threat before all of the stuff that we see in the the disney sequels mm-hmm. And honestly, if I get like even if it is deep fake, but if I get OG trilogy Luke, Leia, and Han with Ahsoka fighting Grand Admiral Thrawn, dude, Disney would have they would have redeemed all of the like screw ups they had with the um the sequel trilogy if that happens.
0: So so let's talk about the deep fake de- technology for a moment because we are struggling to get to the tales of Hercules. So, so this is this is interesting, right? Because there's a controversy starting to brew over. So, like when 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 Luke showed up at the end of uh, Mandalorian season two, it was very brief. It was uh, it was CGI, right? Um, not bad CGI, but wasn't the best. It, of it, was not it wasn't great. right. We've we've seen some C- CGI young Leia before. We've seen. It's um, also not good. <laughs> we've seen CGI um Young Luke. We've seen we've seen Peter you Cushing know, Peter Cushing. Um and now the different de- franchise but Paul uh, Walker. Right. Which I would argue we looks saw the best. CGI Young Jeff Bridges. That looked Tron. terrible.
1: So but that, it, it works because of the setting about that it was that right.
0: Uber movie. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's young. Oh, that was weird, but um, it wasn't bad. There's the, there's the the movie Will Smith did, Gemini I yeah. Man, where he plays he fights a younger version of himself. Did not look good. Um. So there's there's oh, uh, there's been this trend of CGIing to make people look a little younger mm-hmm. or whatever, or, or or to bring back uh, characters that have passed, whatever. Um. But now we're entering a new phase of this with the deep night technology because um i think you'll agree with me luke looks fantastic
1: well i want to say it's because they got the guy who came up with the deep fake technology and they brought him in yes yes which is why it looks leaps and bounds Um, better than the end of season two of the mandalorian
0: it looks this technology is i don't know how this technology works but it is really what it works so well Especially when you know how to use the other technical wizardry to aid you with it. Mm -hmm. And then they recreated Mark Hamill's voice using an AI program where they they put in Mark Hamill's, like, recordings of Mark Hamill saying lines from lots of different movies and TV shows Mm -hmm. over the the years, particularly when he was younger, and the AI recreated his voice his voice. It created his lines using his voice. This technology is revolutionary. I don't. Okay, so um, I'm the technology is great. I don't know why they got an AI to do
1: it because Mark Hamill is
0: still I, alive. I think the reason that they did that is because um, people's voices change. Well, yeah. No, over okay, time. So I'm getting.
1: I'm getting to that. So, yeah,
0: people's voices like, change,
1: but Mark Hamill is still alive, and it would be easier to edit his audio to make him sound younger than using an AI to like pull various lines from everything he's ever done and then just splice it together.
0: Yeah, right I well I, I think that the reason that they did it this way is because they're trying to perfect this technology mm-hmm. and I think this was a an opportunity for them to do so and I think that well the reason I wanted to bring it up is because the controversy here is that okay look Mark Hamill is alive and well he was fully aware of this and gave his blessing towards it and he probably got a check for it Mm -hmm. right Um, I think if you're going to use this technology to augment this where you're going to have a younger version of characters particularly of an actor who is still alive and gave consent maybe even getting paid for it whatever I see no moral conundrum whatsoever other than maybe uh, as um, I was talking to my nephew about this and he was like you know i don't he was like i don't have a problem with having young luke in it it's whatever he's like although the more that you are reliant on the same characters the less creative you are overall mm-hmm. like eventually it just becomes like let's go to new worlds and have new characters whatever yeah. that's a, that's a valid point um but here's here's where the controversy comes into play because there's rumors of a world war II film coming out starring a deep faked james dean and there's all sorts of controversy about that. Now, in this case, I don't know the specifics. I don't know if his family was approached about using his likeness. They consented. They're receiving a check. I don't know. But to me, it seems as if you can use this technology one way or the other here. You can use it with permission from the person either... Uh, while they're alive or through a contract that extends beyond their death where their mm-hmm. family or state keeps getting paid for it, uh, and the blessing of the family, whatever. Uh, and you can use it in a way that supplements the story, aids the story, and it's really cool and groundbreaking and game-changing. Or you can go the other route where it's exploitative and it's a gimmick. Yeah. And you're just using dead people i And at that point, I think it's problematic.
1: I fall in the middle, but lean closer towards the first one with... I don't think it's a problem as long as it's a property to where you already own the likeness of that character. Yes. So for Star Wars, you own the likeness to Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, uh, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, Princess Leia. You already own these characters. If you want to like deep fake and CGI these characters into something, you should have that right because it's your intellectual property. You can do that, or like with the Fast and the Furious, you you own the the, the likeness to Brian O'Connor, so you can add him into these movies. Also, I think it looks a little weird in some spots. I do think deep fake. Paul Walker in Fast and Furious 7 looks the best because they took the likeness of Paul Walker and placed it on top of his brother, who looked somewhat like him, and it's an easier meshing of the two. Uh, which is why I think he'll be back before the, the franchise is said and done with these last two movies. Like, you're not you're not gonna convince me until the credits roll that Brian O'Connor's not gonna be in the last two Fast and Furious movies. I do have a problem though with If this happens, you deep-faking James Dean into a movie when he's been dead for decades... What,
0: 50 years? 60 years? And
1: there's no reason for you to be making a James Dean World War II movie. There are a plethora of actors who are just as good, if not better than James Dean, that you can just hire to be in the movie. It's Also, who... Who is going to go watch a... Who, who's going to see the f- trailer for that that's not, like, old as balls, and I don't mean that as, like, an insult to people, but, like, unless you're super old, James Dean's not going to be an attraction to go watch a movie. Right. Like, if I see the trailer and I'm like, is that James Dean? That's not going to make me want to go watch the movie. I'm be like, that's weird, and I don't care about James Dean enough to go watch a James Dean movie that's not even a real James Dean movie. Right. It'd be one thing if like I and I'm upset that I can't think of a, a James Dean movie off the top of my head right now. Give me some.
0: I can't either to be honest. Cool.
1: With you. Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone. This here. is someone
0: who died about thirty years before Battle we were born.
1: But there we go. There you go. Uh, we have lost all. I, well, no,
0: I probably could have come up with at least that one if I'd had maybe five minutes to think, but we don't have that luxury here on the podcast. This is this is
1: a, this is, a, well, this is an audio. I'm a media. classic movie and animation fan. That's
0: my wheelhouse. But like, it'd be one thing if they
1: were like, "We've touched up the the visuals on Rebel Without a Cause. Come watch the new remastered uh, Rebel Without a Cause." That's one thing. He was in that movie. But if you're giving me, like, beaches of Normandy with, like, James Dane, like, dual-wielding some pistols, just shooting Nazis, I'm going to be like, this is stupid. It's a cash grab. And it's You just kind hear, like, of, like watch
0: my six, and here comes Yul Brenner, like, and, right? and like, me Mar- Stewart. You got
1: Marlon Brando parachuting in, like, with some, like... Dual wielding AKs, just like, Argh. and I'm like, no, this it's is like, stupid. It, so, now, it, yeah. if, and I'm sure they had to the, to pay the estate yeah. to use the likeness. So, if his family gets a payday out of this, cool. Oh, I have right. no problem with his family getting paid off of it. But it's more of a creative issue for me, where I'm like, but why?
0: Yeah, and at what point? Who does the... what?
1: Crusty movie executive was like.
0: You know what we need? James we need more Dean. James Dean.
1: And some, and like a poor intern was like, Sir, James Dean's been dead for like 50 years. And he's like, I
0: poppycock,
1: Henderson. Did you open your mouth, Starbucks? <laughs> right? Henderson, that's stupid. We need more James Dean. I don't care what it takes. Get me James Dean. And so then like people are scrambling like, Hell, are we gotta get James Dean for this World War II movie, and somebody's like, "Well, I mean, they do that deep fake thing. Why don't we just do that?" And they're like, "Can we do that?" And they're like, "I don't know. Pay somebody off." And so,
0: it's just well. So, the, for me, the question is, when does the gimmick go from unnecessary and ridiculous, mm-hmm. like in this case, to being downright either disrespectful or macabre, even like yeah. you know, because we were talking about like, like this is, this is like. A philosophical question like you're using someone's voice and someone's face and that person has not existed in this reality for yeah. decades at this point so it's like you know okay going back to our earlier conversation I'm a big Elvis fan mm-hmm. I think it would be pretty cool I mean they've done holograms and stuff yeah. I think it would be pretty cool if like they did some deep fake Elvis concerts if it was something the estate Mm -hmm. like you know like if if you had like um, an actor stand on stage and then they they found a way to like to do the deep fake or whatever and then they had like actual Elvis like on the screens or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. Elvis's voice and all that like that might be worth you know going to a concert once once in my life to see something that was done really well done and tastefully but like when you're talking about these things that's my concern it's like but Book of Boba Fett does it super well for Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about what this technology can be used for because I think this is one of those things where, you know, Stallone was recently talking about a Rambo prequel. What if you use deepfake technology to do the young Stallone for more Rambo? Mm-hmm. He's alive and well and would probably sanction it and get a paycheck ch- out of it. But you know what? To my nephew's point, I'm also personally fine with new characters, new situations. Or find a really, really talented young actor and do what we've always done, which is let audiences sort of just... Like, with Luke Skywalker, that's so iconic. If you've got that technology, use it. Mm -hmm. Use Mark Hamill's face. But in a lot of these other properties, if you need to go back and do a prequel, get another young, talented actor and let him do it. Well,
1: I'm
0: not a fan of the
1: movie, but it's what they did for Solo. Yeah, it
0: even worked in Solo. I mean, you you know what I mean? Like... Like, you know, it—it's it, just one of those things where I'm excited about this technology. I just want them like everything. I want it to be done and service the story in an ethical manner, uh, not as a gimmick done in a non-ethical way.
1: So what I'm hearing is, uh, if you die before we finish our Black Spire Universe movies,
0: I would that I, I
1: can. St- deep fake your face
0: on another actor no I've I have always said that if someone would give me a contract asking my permission to use my likeness and my voice in films or something after I was gone Mm -hmm. particularly if it was going to be used in a tasteful way or to finish an ongoing film or franchise I'd be all for that as long as like someone in my family was getting a fat check over it right um. Yeah, like I wouldn't care, but like it, may, it would make all the difference in the world to me that somebody asked. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like people are going to be listening to this and going to be like, what but the but hell I is also wouldn't be. Universe? We'll 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 have a podcast about the Black Spire Universe one day. Um, I also though would not be offended if something happened to me and like my friends decided to recast me. Like that. right. That's that would not be something I'd be angry about from the Beyond either.
1: What I would be upset about with because and so Book of Boba Fett, it, it's Disney. I would be upset if they just deep faked Chadwick. Boseman I was just about to ask. The new Black
0: like, do you think they're gonna end up deep faking Chadwick Boseman? I would be pissed about that. What, j- me too because just, one just like what it, like if the flash were to cross into the Nolan verse and they deep fake teeth ledger like no yeah, get no, out of here, yeah I,
1: one t- too soon two i and I don't want to speak for the dead, but because I don't think any of us would know how Chadwick Bozeman felt about that. I don't want to see it. Also, it's 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 one thing with, with Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker. Mark Hamill's still alive. Yep. Chadwick Boseman's dead. You get into a weird, uncanny valley situation because it's not perfected technology. And we know what Chadwick Boseman looks like now because he hasn't been gone that long. If it's not 100% perfect, he looks weird. We haven't seen young Mark Hamill in forever. Right. So, I mean, yeah, we can go back and look because we've got the original movies. But unless you're watching those movies, young Mark Hamill, in your mind, looks kind of different to everybody because years have passed since you saw the original Star Wars. Right. So.
0: Well, and I also think that, um, you know... In the case of um, Chadwick Boseman in particular, we know that at least his family, uh, or some members of his family, have given public statements saying that it is their understanding that Chadwick would have wanted the role recast mm. so that the character could continue on because he understood that Black Panther, like so many other comic book figures... Um, it's not just one It's person. not just one person and it didn't die. You know, Black Panther... And T'Challa does not die with him. It It does a
1: disservice to the character to not let somebody else do it.
0: And it's been... Because, like... It's been, what, four, five, six years now since Black Panther came out? Yeah. And I think that... I think time is passing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, for me, you know... I don't know what they're going to do in, in Black Panther 2. But I think that, say Black well, Panther... Right
1: now, they're not doing anything because that movie on a hiatus, I, man. Because people keep catching COVID and getting hurt.
0: I think even if they don't do it in part two, say they have a movie, say Black Panther 2 comes out, T'Challa's just not in it, whatever. Mm. I think that by the time you could get Black Panther 3 out, which would be an additional two or three years, I think people would understand you know, that, you, like, that you make a decision to recast Chadwick Boseman. I think, especially if his family would be well, willing to I come out
1: uh, at least one more time and say, look, we are okay with it. I don't understand the reluctance to recast the character anyway, because that m- that movie um, that mm, mm, yeah, I don't know.
0: Um, I mean, well, actually, yeah, you we'll could,
1: but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with that actress to where that I doubt that's going to happen. Which she's good actress. She is a good actress. She's in the we're, movie we're, that we're, we're going yeah, to get around to talking about. It. Sometime. We're going to talk about Latina right here in a moment. The character of T'Challa means so much to so many people now. Like, and it's obvious, that movie did numbers. I know it did numbers, because I still have nightmares about working those first two weekends of Black Panther at the movie theater. Yeah. But, obviously, and like, I'm not going to get into the conversation of like, you know, representation and all that stuff, which I do think is very important, but there is a large group of people who relate to the fact that even though technically we had Blade first. Although, actually, we had Robert Townsend's Meteor Man first. That's, that's a peep cut. You those. For those Hancock. Know, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't have Hancock. I'm talking about non-problematic black superheat. Hancock was problematic. So was Blade. Wesley Snipes didn't pay his taxes. That's problematic, even though I don't want to pay mine either.
0: You had Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> steal
1: we did not have Shaquille O'Neal still because that was a terrible movie as you can all listen to on our four hour podcast from a couple of weeks ago um, but no you had you had a, a a black role model that young black children could look up to who like it, it, is one, it is it is nice to look onto a movie screen and see someone that does look like you That that's awesome even I mean, yeah, Superman is my favorite superhero, but it would be it 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 was cool seeing T'Challa on screen because oftentimes, like, I love Hollywood, but there are a lot of there are a lot of problematic people in Hollywood. So oftentimes, people get pigeonholed into real stereotypical roles. Um, it's nice seeing an educated, intelligent Black person on screen. Who isn't just you know, insert gangbanger number five here or angry black man? Because we get angry black man a lot. And I'm tired of angry. I'm tired of. I'm tired of. Uh. am tired of gangster. I'm tired of angry black man. Tired of um, the magical negro. Although I feel like we've gotten somewhat away from the magical negro trope nowadays, thankfully. Um, and it's it, it was it was just nice that it was something new. It was something different. Don't sideline that because the actor has passed on when it's the characters been rewritten so many times it's a comic book character you have the fucking multiverse if nothing else just bring in a Black Panther from another multiverse that explain it away hell bring back Michael B. Jordan and just say this is T'Challa from like Earth fifty two point nine C and be like here's here's your new Black Panther. I I just
0: I don't I or feel like they're just, just a be f- like in this universe Killmonger was the Black Panther and he was good. There you go. That, or hell, that way hell. that way you get you get Black Panther and you get Michael B. Jordan back. Right. Which is what we all want. And
1: that'll that'll keep him busy from speaking his of, of Michael B.
0: Jordan. Speaking of speaking of Michael B. Jordan, Creed 3D. Uh, Creed three, yeah. But speaking speaking of, of Creed, Michael B. Jordan, and like like iconic black characters that are not super problematic, Apollo Creed. I feel like T'Challa was like like on a much bigger scale and certainly for modern audiences. But I feel like there had to be some kids like in the 70s and 80s who were like. Hey, Apollo Creed is that guy. He was that guy, and then they kind of shat on that by having him cheat on his wife and having a kid out of wedlock with somebody else. I mean, that's a thing everybody does. No, it's not.
1: Oh, it's it's not really a not thing, thing everybody that. does.
0: Well, well, I, well. Hang on. I don't mean that. Like, I don't mean that. You you took that the wrong way. I don't mean that literally. What I mean is, uh-huh. what I mean <laughs> is. Well, not. Well, no. Like literally, I didn't mean that literally. You just took it literally. What I'm. What what I was saying is. That is a thing that, like, anybody of any race could do. I don't have, like, some sort of, like, oh, Apollo Creed did that. And, like, I have heard people say, like, they ruined Apollo's reputation because he had a kid. I... To me, that is not something that's inconsistent from, like, something a big sports star might have done. Like, and anybody could have done that. So... I don't think Apollo Creed's legacy was tarnished by it Personally Well,
1: it, it, I wasn't saying that as in it had anything to do with his race I'm just saying it makes you somewhat Of a less good person to be out here Cheating on your wife
0: I mean that's true but like Let's face it we're in 2022 I mean that's fair That's, that's... It
1: still makes you a scummy individual I mean... Like, I mean yes he did more Good than bad But You cheated on your wife So you're not a great person Ah, uh, yeah, I mean... And I would feel the same way if, like, it wouldn't make any sense for the character, but if they, like, came out but that's in, like, like, Creed that's, 4 and, like, that's Rocky retro, had... That's
0: retroactive, though. Like, you know, for, like, 30 years, that would not have been the case. And, like, you know, for, like, years, case. And, like my point was, like... I mean, yeah, that's fair. That I'm was, just, like, I'm an iconic... I'm just saying... That was an iconic black character that was not super... Popular. Well, I'm not saying that he's still yeah. not iconic. I'm just saying... Right.
1: He's somewhat of an asshole. And being yeah. an asshole is kind of a part of his character anyway, because he's definitely an asshole in Rocky too. And he was a dumb asshole in Rocky Four who got himself killed.
0: Spoiler alert! Although, if you haven't watched Rocky Four at this point, that means you also didn't listen to our podcast and you were slipping. Facts. Slipping harder Dude than bad. Apollo was in like the first round of that fight. <laughs> mm. Mm. Too soon! It was like it 40 always, years ago. <laughs> it will always be too soon. It will always oh, be okay. too soon.
1: So I feel like it's time for us now to delve into the world of a Belgian man and talk about murder mystery problematic individuals in your movie
0: talking about Army Hammer let's do this so um, when Murder on the Orient Express came out about five years ago I remember being excited about it because I love mysteries Mm mm-hmm I love those. I love. I love the whodunits. I love the clues and the knives outs. You know, I love. And there's something really
1: cool about a whodunit in a situation where people can't run away.
0: Right. So I, I. absolutely love the concept. That movie was beautiful. It was gorgeous. The way Kenneth Branagh directed it. Um, his performance was like. Very committed. Um, it had like this great ensemble cast in it. Um. Like really, really good actors: Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Johnny Depp, Josh Gad was in that movie. Daisy mm. Ridley um,
1: wasn't Leslie Odom Jr. Yes, yeah, yeah. Leslie yeah. Odom
0: Jr. was in it. So there was like a lot of um, Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz. Oh yeah, there were there was a yeah there were a lot of like really good actors in that movie. And my takeaway from it at the time, and I rewatched it again this week as well. Uh, it was the first time I'd seen it again um, since when it first came out. But my my thoughts were that it looked beautiful. It was acted really well. But somewhere around like an hour into the movie, it starts to drag. Yeah. And it doesn't really pick up again until to the end, really. Uh
1: Defoe was in it. Uh,
0: yes, he was. And I love the music. I love the reveal and how emotional it is. I love the twist, but it was predictable because... As Corey once said, look, they're on a train, and everybody could see everybody, Mm-hmm. the way that train was designed. It it doesn't take much to start to piece together that like the only way they could have gotten away with that is if they were all in on it. Everybody did it. And so, spoiler alert for Murder on the Orient Express. For a
1: book that's been out since
0: 1934. That had multiple film adaptations before this one. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Everyone done it. Everybody. And was of good course, thing. the um, only
1: person that didn't do it was Johnny Depp, and he was the one that Poirot, got
0: in. Poirot is um. He has this rigid moral compass, and it's sort of the first time he's encountered something where justice would not be to turn these people in, mm-hmm. from his perspective, because Johnny Depp's character was such a horrible human being, and he did such a terrible thing that he believes that that justice is best served by letting these grieving people go about their lives yeah. and learn to heal and it's a beautiful moment the music is beautiful it's a it's a very thought provoking and nice philosophical ending to that movie which I thought was an okay movie mm-hmm. it was not one of my favorites um, Knives Out came out I think like about a year and a half later, and I thought it was a better film, a yes. more entertaining film.
1: Can't wait for that sequel.
0: So I'm not going to sit here and claim that like I was super, super stoked and like bouncing off the walls to go see Death on the Nile, but I was pleasantly surprised when I was reminded recently, hey, this movie that had been postponed, we're now past the postponement and it's about to yes. come out. And... I was
1: I was super psyched the moment that they announced it because I really enjoyed the first one that much um I, I, I okay so we both enjoyed it I think I enjoyed it just a little bit more than you did I after seeing this one I feel like the emotional stuff of Hercule being like his moral compass and all that being like, hey, the best thing to do would be to let these people go on about their business. I think that would have worked better if we had gotten a movie before Murder on the Orient Express mm-hmm. to where it it establishes how he has such a it's like, it right like establishes that he um is a very by the book, black and white when it comes to morality type of character and then it would be a little bit more emotional when he's like it, it would it would act like that. it would be like there was some growth of the character to not just be very black and white in regards to the law because we've never met the character before so minus what people tell us about him we have no reason to like Care that much that he would just kind of let these people go because we've never seen him in this situation before. Uh, but that being said, I enjoyed the movie regardless. When they announced Death on the Nile, I was super stoked because they were they they teased it at the end of Murder on the Orient Express and it was like, oh yeah, I've got to go. I've got a case in Egypt that I got to go take care of. I think this is a better made movie. It's a better story also uh it it doesn't if you're paying attention to the movie it doesn't really take you that long to figure out who probably did it and we figured out who did it like, yeah. in the first thirty minutes of the movie yeah uh but it's a more interesting who done it than the first one
0: yeah so I think um Again, like, obviously, this has another stellar cast. Yeah. Um, uh, Kenneth Branagh is back. Kenneth Branagh is even better in this movie. Gal Gadot. Um,
1: Gal Gadot. Uh, uh, Letitia Wright. Uh, and, uh, uh, Russell
0: Brand in a was serious role.
1: I literally about to call that man Aldous Snow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we gotta do, do something. something. Um, African Child. Uh, uh yeah, Russell Brandon, a serious role. Yeah. Uh, Army Hammer, um mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh The Actor who played the cousin. I don't know who that is, but he was a good actor.
1: Leslie Rose. Uh, Rose Les- Leslie.
0: Yeah, Rose Rose Leslie. Yep, I yep. yeah, yeah. Mixed up. Um uh yeah, it was another like really good cast. Um and I actually loved everything about this movie more. I love the setting. I love seeing Egypt. I love love how the music reflected that. I love that party boat they were on. The
1: train got kind of boring after the first 15, 20 minutes of them being on it because there's only so many places you can go. The coolest scene with the train is when they do the overhead shot and you see people walking throughout the train. That's the coolest thing that happened in that whole movie as far as the setting goes. This one, you're on the boat. But you're also in like Cairo or some other places. They're different set pieces so that different things can happen. Yeah. And
0: I I loved Egypt. I loved the boat. I love the the pyramids. I, I loved love that
1: one scene with Gal Gadot as like Nefertiti or yeah. ISIS or whoever she was
0: supposed I to be. I loved um was that a net I'm
1: gonna check and see.
0: Who played I, who played the um the, the jazz singer? 'Cause I oh, loved uh, because I love that too. I love her like okay, so I loved her character. Her I her
1: interactions with
0: Poirot with Poirot. I loved It is an it, Benny. I loved Letitia Wright's character who was her niece and like yes. her business manager or whatever. Um I loved all of that. I thought it was really cool. And then um I thought the mystery itself was better. Mm-hmm. I thought the fact that multiple people were killed in this movie yeah made it, a, it gave it a more dangerous feeling throughout. I thought that
1: I also like that it so and I haven't seen Murder on the Orient Express since I saw it in the theaters when it came out. But I feel like once they were on the train, the death happened very quickly, mm-hmm. which causes it to kind of drag out cuz you're kind of just like we know who did this and there's still 30 minutes of this movie left. Whereas let's just spoil who dies in this one.
0: So um so so what so, so spoiler alert. I'm going to give you guys about 10 seconds to pause and then come back after you've seen the movie if you want to hear the rest of it. Right. Please do that. All right, so for those of you who are still with us, um we're now going to spoil what happens in the movie. Um, and it's about an hour into the movie. Yeah. Um, um, we always call her Gal Gadot because that's what everyone calls her. God love Her, her name is Golgadot. Um, she, her character, uh, what is her character's name? Um, Lynette. Bl- yeah. Lynette. Lynette. Um, I knew this.
1: Lynette Ridgeway
0: Doyle. Lynette Ridgeway. Lynette, and then she marries
1: Army Hammer, whose last name is Doyle.
0: Yeah, Lynette Ridgeway, who's like this—like she's famous because she's rich. She's like really rich, and her character um, dies. She's the one that's found dead, but then brutally murdered, shot in her sleep in the head. In the head. Um, but well, then twenty-two. But then there's like. Other characters die also. Mhm. Uh, Rose Leslie gets to um... You good? Our boy Buck. Book? Book What I I never say his name. Yeah I'm so <laughs>
1: Poirot has that like super thick Belgium accent and his name is spelled B O U C. I just call him Book because I don't know how else to pronounce it because everybody else calls him something different. You got Poirot with like the Belgium accent, then you have got other people with like a French accent, and then some people with an American accent. I'm just—I'm gonna call you book. Your book. That's all that matters. Um, but he gets it. I think the most brutal of them all because he gets shot in the throat. Mm-hmm. God, it was dark.
0: <clears throat> and I will say this. I I don't even need to talk about the end and and who actually did it and all that to express how I feel about because I knew almost as suddenly as I knew in spiral about who who the new jigsaw was. I knew who did Listen, this. We
1: knew before. We knew the moment they announced who was in the movie who was going to be doing the killing. Yes. The only question was where they don't have any help.
0: Right. And they did. Um, so it's not so much that, like, this movie does a better job of hiding who the killer or killers are than Murder on the Orient Express, because it doesn't. It really doesn't. It's just It that, telegraphs
1: it very early
0: on. It's just that this movie is so entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to uh, Corey, when we came out of the theater, he was like, you know, I'm... I'm not surprised by who it was, but I thought that was a little obvious, and I was like, well, what you gotta think is that this book was written, like, so long ago that, like, these tropes and and cliché were not clichéd at the time. Like, so, you know, it's a faithful adaptation of that novel, so uh, it, it keeps what is now sort of a quaint twist, but at the time was considered to be one of the best uh, mystery novels ever written. Mm -hmm. One of the best twists ever. Um, But this movie does not do that thing where a drug starts dragging in the middle like um, Murder on the Orient Express did. This movie gets more intriguing. It it
1: helps with the fact that the first murder isn't until an hour into the movie. Right. And then, this is going to sound very morbid, but it doesn't drag because they just keep killing people.
0: Right. I really enjoyed learning more about Poirot. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the flashback sequence. Um, I I loved... We got the, an origin of the mustache. Yeah.
1: Which I never thought I would want or need, but it makes sense. Especially it also, since he's a character who is so... He is he is an emotionally damaged character because he lost the love of his life and he blames himself, and so the mustache ties into that, which makes it very poignant and moving. When at the end of the movie, he shaves the mustache off.
0: Yeah, I I I think that this might be my favorite performance by Kenneth Branagh. And I've seen him in a lot of movies. Um, I think he was actually really good as Hamlet in that one Hamlet movie. I
1: mean, none of the other roles Um, were compared to Gilderoy Lockhart.
0: um, The greatest (laughs) wizard of all generation. (laughs) He's like, they're like, we need... This is your moment to shine, and he's like, (laughs) "Very well, (laughs) I'll just uh, be in my office." um, It's a shame I didn't get
1: here sooner. I knew the exact counter curse for this situation. (laughs) Out of (laughs) curse,
0: but I really, um, I Kenneth Branagh is a very talented actor, um, a very talented director. I, I think his reverence for this material is what makes it uh, infectious. He's, he's, he sort of like manages to pull this together and make it relevant in 2022. And this might be my favorite Kenneth Branagh movie. And that's saying a lot because I really enjoyed the first Thor movie he directed. Um, yeah. Like, I, I really... I, I left this movie going, okay... Uh in 2022 so far, I think at the theaters I've only seen two movies. Um Scream and this. And I mean, I I like Scream all right. We talked about that in that podcast. Like I didn't I didn't hate it or anything like that. Uh, I really enjoyed this. So I was like 2022 has not started bad. There's some other ones I want to I want to check out. You know, um of course coming up we got Uncharted, the Batman. Oh, we secured our tickets to to see the uh, Batman fan first experience in IMAX. Oh yeah. On March first, so can't wait for that. Um, Bro, but you've seen at least three. Bro, you forgot about Moonfall. I did because I blocked it out. <laughs> but what well, you know what you know what Meatloaf said? You also saw The Kingsman. Was that this year? Yeah. Two out of three ain't bad. 2 out of 4 3 out of 4 ain't bad <laughs>
1: 3 out of 4 ain't bad oh man ok so out um, of out of all of the movies that I've seen in theaters was good so I've been keeping a I got a list of all of the movies that I wanted to see this year and the ones that I have I've like put a check mark by them and what I rank them out of all of that Kingsman solid 8 out of 10 especially that uh, <laughs> Adolf Hitler after credit scene they were hyping that man up like he was Thanos. Uh, Scream seven and a half
0: out of ten. Macbeth seven.
1: Death on the Nile solid eight.
0: Yeah, solid I, agree, eight. I agree. I agree. I agree. It's about an eight. An eight out of ten at least. I really enjoyed Death on the Nile. Um, I
1: left it wanting to see more of this character.
0: Yes. So uh, there is another one, and the name escapes me. There's another um, Poirot centric novel that Agatha Christie wrote that a lot of uh, the sort of Agatha Christie I guess, like, hardcore fans, fan fanboys, fangirls, whatever, um, claim is the best Poirot novel, and I'm hoping that maybe we at least get that as, like, a conclusion to a trilogy. But I know in an interview about four or five years ago, um, Kenneth Branagh said that he was hoping that there might could be uh, sort of Agatha Christie universe of films created using uh, not just Poirot, but other characters from the other uh, stories and novels. So, I, I mean... I mean, much
1: like The Great Gatsby, I'm pretty sure all of those books are in public domain. Yeah. We'll do it ourselves.
0: At right now, Kenneth Branagh has my attention and my respect, and I'm willing to watch whatever he wants to do right now. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, that's pretty much... How I feel about it, I would definitely recommend that everyone go watch Death on the Nile if you're into that kind of thing. And speaking of that kind of movie, uh, we got just a tiny, tiny, tiny glimpse, first look at Knives Out 2 from Netflix recently. Wait, what? Yeah, so literally all it is, literally all it is, is it's it's a little teaser that Netflix put out for like things that are going to pr- premiere on Netflix this year, mm-hmm. and at the very, very, very end of it, you see some like people walking onto a yacht, and you see Daniel Craig, and he turns around and like takes his glasses off, and is like knives out too. <laughs>
1: I can't wait to get more of that Kentucky yeah. Fried bullshit accent.
0: <laughs> Benoit Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one that also got a drug in the middle, even though it was a great movie. Really good movie. Uh, and a, it would, another it great make, great cast.
1: It wouldn't make any sense, but I would love for there to be a scene where he goes to talk to Chris Evans, uh, Hugh, from the first movie, In Prison.
0: Yeah, in because Penny. I,
1: <laughs> 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 oh, that was a choice, man. I loved it.
0: I but, hope Chris Evans comes back. He ain't got no more Captain America to worry about. Oh, my God. Well, that, that's what I was about to say. So...
1: Everyone knows that Chris Evans is a great actor, but you forget like I kind of forgot what all he could do because he was Captain America for so long, and I I love Chris Evans as Captain America, but like besides Snowpiercer, I don't think I saw a Chris Evans movie other besides his Captain America stuff during that entire run. So it was so refreshing to see him play something that some something that was so completely different that I was like, I need more of Chris Evans as this like swarmy jackass. Yeah, because he's so good. Also, he's a native Bostonian. Give him some roles where he can use that Boston accent. Give me a Chris Evans John Krasinski Boston buddy cop movie. I'd watch that. Don't put. Uh, been of otter patch in it because I've seen his Bostonian accent and it's bad <laughs> I know what you're thinking but he was so great as a Bostonian in black mass he wasn't he wasn't it's was a great movie but that man's accent was atrocious it's as bad as Jeremy Iron's accent in beautiful creatures where he plays a southern gentleman have you seen that movie <laughs> it's terrible well okay actually okay to be fair to be fair the movie itself It's not great. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I want to say
0: Michelle Pfeiffer was that one too.
1: She is. As is Emmy Rossum. Mm. And the guy that played Han Solo in Solo. Which is why I was not excited for him to be Han Solo in that movie. But yeah, no. Everybody has atrocious uh, southern accents. Everyone sounds like they came straight from the plantation. (laughs) And the movie is set in like 2016. (laughs) That's problematic. (laughs) Jeremy Irons is talking like he's foghorn leghorn. And then everybody else sounds like they're just... And I can say this because I'm a black man. Everybody else, minus the black lady, especially Jeremy Irons' family, sounds like they're waiting on the colored folk to bring them some sweet tea and lemonade. I'm just (laughs) like, that's not it. Also, impulse (laughs) from Smallville's in it, too.
0: Um... Uh, so, struggling. Before we wrap up here, I did I did want to say we got a first look um with some some photos at um Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is Amazon. Really
1: thought we were about to talk about Blacklight.
0: Um Amazon's uh <laughs> 5 season 1 billion dollar investment. And the reason I bring this up is one um, Robert Arameo, who we call Ned Patrick Harris because he looks like Neil Patrick Harris and he played young Ned Stark in Season 6 of Game of Thrones of the Tower of Joy flashbacks. He's playing young Elrond. I knew he was in this, but I didn't know he was Elrond. <laughs> so, so far, I've not seen anything that makes me excited from Amazon about this. But I will say, like, what is
1: with this dude playing like younger versions of like super awesome characters?
0: I no now ten now ten like, like shut up uh, like I so I'm not I'm not I'm not particularly optimistic about the but rings of he's power. He's playing young um,
1: Elrond.
0: I think it is this why this, this has the ability to really go the wheel of time route. Uh, it can't be that bad. It's um, <laughs> so like like this could this this could be like uh, this could get bad. But um, why can't we just deep fake young Hugo Weaving? Right. Oh, <laughs> but we will. On. There's a deep fake we could use. But no. So like that will be one certainly that we watch and have some coverage of. I'm sure. You don't um, speak for me. <laughs> I'm still more excited about. Uh, House of the Dragon. Ass gonna be my Ask <laughs> like, what I'm. Game here of for. Thrones prequel is gonna be pretty awesome. Um, oh my god. And uh, but no, like you, so you had. The, but
1: let me just let me let me jump in. You had the option of two things that we saw photos for. You you could have chosen either the rings of power or Black Adam. I was about to say black, <laughs> and you chose the le- you chose the more evil one because we out here, we, bro. The Rock got announced to play Black Adam in 2007, and they just now finished making the movie. We got photos of him as Black Adam as uh, we got Hawkman. I forget the I forget the actor's name. We got photos of Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate, looking like a baller. We got Adam Smasher, Cyclone. We got the whole JSA, and you chose to talk about Ned Patrick Harris
0: <laughs>
1: and the and Amazon's The Rings of Power. The name <laughs> is September
0: second, stu- Amazon Prime Video.
1: The name is <laughs> stupid. <laughs> the casting make no damn sense. I have no faith in this. Just...
0: Well... Hell no! Alright, well, uh... You know, you know... I mean, I'm sure that if that's not good, at least the sequel... I'm gonna go watch the Hobbit movies. At least the sequel to Pissin' Boots is coming out (laughs) this year, too. Pissin' Boots? (laughs) Alright, if you wanna uh, wanna reach us, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, l and Pod. Uh, you'll find us. Google us. We're everywhere Podcasts are listened to nowadays. If you want to support us, you can do that. In the show notes, click the support the podcast link. Thank you to everyone who we'll does that. We'll have a link to the
1: email and to the support page and all that good stuff in the, uh, in the notes.
0: Remember to like, comment, subscribe. Leave that five-star rating on Apple, if you could, Apple uh, podcast. And um, we will be back next week. And uh, I think um, some more exciting stuff comes out this week. Does so. oh, uh-huh. it? I think so. Uncharted? I think Uncharted comes out, right? Let, hey, hold on. Maybe, hold so. On. I can, Maybe I can, so. I can do this real quick. Uh, I'm going to go check out Licorice Pizza. I might yeah, do that tomorrow. got to watch right? that too. The new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, so we'll check that out. That's oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so. Uncharted in six days.
0: Yeah. And then yeah. The
1: Batman in 20 days.
0: All right. And then... If
1: you don't have any Galentine's plans, Magic Mike Galentine's Day event and opens tomorrow,
0: and uh, Jackass Forever, whatever it's called, is out. So if you're yes. a fan of that kind of stuff, so. those
1: guys are gonna die doing these movies.
0: Probably so.
1: Johnny Knoxville needs to. All right,
0: all, all right. right.
1: It's been fun. Let's do this again sometime.
0: Pissing boots. <laughs> oh God.